And the reason we're here As man and woman Is to love each other Doesn't this get you dancing? Good morning. Welcome to WSAU Feedback. I'm Meg Ellison. Thanks for joining me. Happy Friday. Thank God it's Friday. And you know what? After all, I had Wednesday off. You know, I'm kind of thinking, that's a sweet gig. Take a day off right in the middle of the week. It makes everything better, I think. At least that's my opinion. One girl with lots of opinions and a mic. So I'm going to share this with you. I came across this just this morning and... It's kind of long, but I think that it is really good and worth listening to. And then I will take your calls, your comments on this afterwards. This is written by Noelle Maring. She is with the Ethics in Public Policy Center, which is, uh, interestingly, out of California, but she's conservative. She is the author of a book called Awake, Not Woke. A Christian Response to the Cult of Progressive Ideology. So here it is. Any worthwhile post-mortem of our COVID response must account for two things. First, the scientistic fallacy that motivated the response itself. Second, the reasons why so many people fell in line and mass. As Aaron Carity explains, unlike the practice of science, the ideology of scientism is the philosophical claim that science is the only valid form of knowledge. Scientism claims knowledge that cannot be supported by science itself. It is totalitarian in nature. In the past few years, examples of scientism in action are legion. Its mantra is the oft-repeated imperative to just Follow the science. In November of 2020, Fraud Fauci, okay, I wrote that part. Anthony Fauci, the Pope of Scientism, it complained that science had become politically divisive. Hmm, guess who, who did that? As if debate and dissent are somehow antithetical to the scientific or political processes rather than inherent in both. Fauci reprimanded the public that in spite of their independent spirit, now is the time to do what you're told. Crafting broad public policy necessarily involves a whole host of various prudential and political judgments outside the realm of science. Ethical concerns must be weighed and various goods ordered. Smuggling such, such prudential and political judgments under the cloak of science effectively condemns reasonable dissent as anti-science, as a heresy worthy of censorship and ridicule. This should have alarmed us all. It sure did me. Freedom of thought and speech are fundamental to a truth-seeking society. Censorship and collective shaming are essential to the perpetuation of a fraud. Yet half the country shrugged and more than half played along. In his book, The Captive Mind, Polish poet and political dissident Milos wrote of the various ways in which people come to accept totalitarian narratives. His own break from communism he describes as attributable less to the reasoning of his mind than to the revolt of his stomach. A man may persuade himself by the most logical reasoning that he will greatly benefit his health by swallowing live frogs and thus rationally convinced he may swallow a first frog 
then the second, but at the third his stomach will revolt. In the same way, the growing influence of the doctrine on my way of thinking came up against the resistance of my whole nature. The list of five frogs forced down our throats under the name of the science is long. Liquor stores and strip clubs are essential for humanity, but churches are expendable according to the science. The science also calculated that the entirely predictable catastrophe of school closures on kids' emotional, physical, academic, and psychological health was worthwhile. Disagree, and you're a grandma killer. For many, the third frog came in the summer of 2020, when cities across America exploded in protests and riots, masks barely on or entirely missing from protesters' faces, as if that even did anything anyway, bodies jostling together by the thousands for hours and days and weeks on end. Meanwhile, others watched their loved ones die over FaceTime, deprived of one of the most important and deeply human experiences in life. Was it the science that allowed one but not the other sort of gathering? Have, re, having recently lost my father, this author writes, the idea that such a clearly politicized edict could have prevented us from being physically present with him stirs in me a combination of revulsion and rage. Holding his hand, kissing his forehead, cupping his face and looking into each other's eyes when he could no longer form words, these are not matters of scientific measure. How did every American's stomach not revolt against this grotesque injustice? People grow compliant for many reasons. Certainly, there's a certain fear of public shame that always accompanies deviation from the norm. Boy, there's so much I could comment on, but I'll hold off. There is a deeply rooted human hunger to belong, even if it is just to the tribalism of a political movement. With family life increasingly destabilized, that hunger is more acute than ever, rendering political tribalism more ferocious. A more disheartening explanation is that contempt for others can be pleasurable and feels like a shortcut to actual virtue. But perhaps the most fundamental reason is that a society shut off from the transcendent is bound to comply with a totalizing regime like scientism. Obedience is the inevitable result of a society long blinded to the terrible, wonderful mystery of the supernatural. Death is far too imbued with meaning and mystery to categorize. So we anesthetize, oh my gosh, easy for me to say, anesthetize, there we go, others, ourselves to it. Avoidance becomes not just a matter of averting our eyes but an obsessive project of prolonging our lives. In this context, the calculations of scientism carry a satisfying force of moral clarity while lacking any of the moral complexity that a truly human account requires. This is the ideological sleight of hand. We think our eyes are opened when really our ability to think has simply been circumscribed within the narrow limits of scientism's domain. A truly human account grants the limits of science and so makes room 
to revere the hidden and higher things before which every knee must bend. Paradoxically, it is in that veneration of the things we can't measure that we grow resistant to the dehumanizing demands of, a, of authoritarianism. Over the past couple of years, this author writes, I've often heard people muse about how the question authority generation of the 1960s became the compliant generation, imploring tech companies to silence anyone who, well, questioned authority. Hmm. But this behavior makes perfect sense if we understand that there is a chasm of difference between authority and authoritarianism, just as there is between science and scientism. The call to question authority popularized by countercultural icon Timothy Leary was not an effort to root out corruption in order to preserve proper authority. Rather, it was an injunction to undermine the understanding that there is any such thing as authority at all. Authority, as the et etymology indicates, is generative. Its absence leads to degeneracy. Cultural revolution is not a rejection of a particular as much as it is a rejection of a whole. It isn't this old book we destroy, but the reverence for old books generally. It is not that saint whose statue and memory is reviled. The concept of sanctity in its entirety is destroyed. Iconoclasm is not only directed at marble and bronze, paper and text, but at authority itself, most effectively through the role of fatherhood, both human and divine. And what will fill the void when we have broken down the statues, villainized the, the heroes, sneered at tradition, deconstructed father and mother, and divorced ourselves from our author. It won't be the freedom that comes from a fear of God, but the perpetual fear of everything else. The atheism of scientism is in inextricably tied to the psychology of compliance. But as Milos explains, the cure for this oppression is natural revulsion. At some point, your body, your nature, your very being will feel disgusted at the thought of swallowing one more lie. Welcome that revulsion like a window in a dark room. It beckons us to things beyond this stultifying cage of ideology to see anew what is here and now. That from Noel Mehring, who's a fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center and again, author of a book called Awake, Not Woke, A Christian Response to the Cult of Progressive Ideology. She's also an editor for the website Theology of Home and co-author of Theology of Home, the book. So if you would like to comment on this, I encourage your call, 715-845-2155. Now, as I was sharing this, I was thinking, and I've shared, I've, I've actually talked about this before, when uh, my father passed away seven years ago, seven years ago on January 27th, and I've said it many times, there isn't a day go by that I don't miss him, that I wish that I could speak with him, if, if only for five minutes, if only for just a moment, so that I could hear his voice and just experience being in his presence. And I think about 
if he had been suffering in any way, had been in hospice during this time, during the shamdemic, when our government overreacted to a completely survivable virus. And as this author put, gosh, allowed liquor stores and strip clubs to remain open, but wouldn't allow people to see their loved ones perishing in nursing homes and hospices. So 715-845-2155, if you'd like to join the conversation. Otherwise, I feel like I'm just talking to myself. Good morning and welcome to Feedback. Hey, Meg, good morning and happy, happy Freedom Friday. Thanks, you too. Hey, we've lost the cultural war. For years and years, we've talked about it, and uh, we've lost it. We have all these people in all these institutions now, and they're trying to do everything they can to box us in. And, um, you know, if there is no God in our culture, then there's no ethics. There's, there's no morality. And what, what, is done, what has been done in this shamdemic <laughs> is inconceivable. But people have been taught that this is fine, you know, that the, you know, the ends justify the means. And, and we're going to continue to have cultural rot, and we're going to continue to be looking more and more like China unless people get involved. And I mean really get involved because, uh, you know, we, we are uh, very close to losing our country, and I, I hope and pray that doesn't happen. But uh, this, this is unbelievable evil. We've talked about it for months. But, um, again, we, we've had this cultural war. And this cultural war is all about affecting the hearts and minds of our kids and the hearts and minds of adults uh, through menocide and other means and, and by getting these people infested in these institutions. And, and again, the, the end is uh, looking more and more like China. And, you know, we, we have to put a stop to it now and and. I, I hope and pray that people get involved, especially with the Supreme Court uh, justice race coming up, because uh, it, you know so many things are going to be out of our hands if, uh, if if we lose that. Amen. And you know, here's a little bit of good news, Lewis. At least we have each other. If we're the only, if we're the last two people on Earth that are exercising critical thinking, we at least we have each other. I know that there's more than us. But I think the other part that I completely concur with in, in, this, in this piece that I just shared, we, we have to be willing to get uncomfortable. We have to be willing to be shamed or embarrassed or called out. You know, like, remember the days when I, I remember the days when I would show up everywhere without a mask. I get chased around at the grocery store. Where's your mask? Where's your mask? And I just ignored them. I ignored them. I would go into the... Uh, Marathon County Courthouse building, and I wouldn't wear a mask, and I'd get I'd get uh, look. Well, I'd get the looks, and I I didn't care about that. But then even at a Wasa City Council meeting, I was called out by one of the city council members. During the meeting, they stopped the meeting, and and this particular oh gosh, what was his name? Jasper. He was uh, he was calling me out in front of a whole crowd of people in in, in the city council, and I just. I argued right back at him, and I just said, "Are you t- first of all, are you talking to me? But we have to be willing to get uncomfortable, and that's the only way that we are going to be able to defend our principles, our values, what we hold near and dear. And I agree with what you said about losing the cultural battle. We haven't, I don't think we've completely lost it. I think there still might potentially be some hope. Well, I appreciate what Winston Churchill said. He said, you know, Americans can be counted on to do the right thing once all other alternatives have been exhausted. Right. 
and I hope Earlier. that remains true. Amen. But please get your children in church, and, and please uh, get off Google and get off Facebook and um, quit feeding this tech monster, mm. which is trying to destroy you and destroy us. And, and please, uh, you know, hold our, our schools accountable and, and make it so that, that we can have a culture where, where these kids are, are not used as pawns for their adult agendas and, and for, um, you know, bringing forth, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the type of tyranny that, that they're after. And the rot, you know, the depravity and godlessness of, of everything that they represent. Well, Lewis, thanks. What a great first call. Uh, your points are spot on. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. You too. God bless. Thank you, Mike. God bless you too. Thank you. 715-845-2155. If you'd like to join the conversation, good morning and welcome to Feedback. Yeah, good morning, Mike. A few quick things. Uh, the Supreme Court uh, runoff, is that how many can you vote for? One. I understand. Just, that's just one out yeah. of four. Mm-hmm. Okay, another quick thing. You've mentioned something or about somebody eating frogs. <laughs> well, that was just a that was just a um, uh, alliter- alliteration. Probably isn't the right word, but it was just illustrating. Uh, yeah, I was going to say I think they would be prone to croak, right? <laughs> oh, that's a, that's very punny of you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, and one last thing: Have you checked your inbox lately? Because oh, I have, I e- sent you a, a email, a, a CD, oh, okay. pro-life CD, about a month ago. Oh, I keep, I, you know what? I keep forgetting to check it. I will, I will do it today. Thank you. Do you, okay, did you, did you, you, did you put your email address in there? I believe I did. Okay. Well, you know what? Okay. I'll check uh, after the show's over, and I'll email you and confirm. Okay. What's thank your first you. name? Uh, Gary. Gary, thanks so much for calling in. I appreciate you tuning in. Have a great weekend. Yeah, you too. Thank Bye. you. Seven one five eight four five twenty one fifty five. Good morning. Welcome to feedback. Hello. Oh, bad phone connection or no phone connection. Good morning and welcome to feedback. Good morning, Meg. Uh, Jeff from Merrill. See, I don't know if you have any kind of input on this. Probably not because it's a uh, national feed. But, uh, you know, when, when uh, Nancy Pelosi was the House Majority Leader, uh, if, if she got up to excuse herself to go to the bathroom, we heard about it on the national news. Kevin McCarthy is now, the, is now the House Majority Leader. He's the guy I want to hear in the sound bites. I don't want to hear Hakeem Jeffries, who, who is not important. But last night, after I finished grooming snowmobile trails, I was coming home, and at 10 o'clock news, and all I hear is Hakeem Jeffries screaming and hollering about how, you know, throwing Ilhan Omar off of the the Foreign Relations Committee was just a a racist act and everything, you know. And why is Fox News running with the Democrat, you know, all the time it's the Democrat? Why can't we hear the guy that's in charge of the House? You know, let's let's hear him instead. I hate to tell you this or respond in this way, but... That's why I watch Wheel of Fortune, Jeff, and go to bed at seven thirty. <laughs> I just I don't I don't watch any news. I, I don't I don't no, look at the television. I, this isn't. I'm not talking about the TV news. I'm talking right on your station. I mean, I, I came home last night uh, uh, and I had the radio on in the truck, and the ten o'clock news came on, and the first thing you hear is Hakeem Jeffries. You know, I mean, we should we oh, should not be yes. hearing. We should be hearing him once a week 
on a Sunday morning on Deface the Nation or Meet the Depressed, uh, like, uh, you know, like, like we heard Mitch McConnell. Yeah. You know, when Mitch McConnell was the Senate Minority Leader, you maybe heard him once a week. Well, but, uh, I, say, I say give those comments. You'll have to, you'll have to f- find something on Fox News and make some suggestions to them because we, as you, as you surmised, have no control over what Fox News reports. Who else is there? You know, I mean, I'm not defending them, of course, but uh, that's who you need to go to. Hey, I got to let you go. I'm looking at the clock. Yep. Appreciate the call this this morning. You Have bet. a great weekend. Got to go to a break. We'll be right back with final thoughts on WSAU Feedback. Good morning. Thanks for joining me on WSAU Feedback. As I said, TGIF. So it's a great reminder, actually. I know our first caller uh, brought up the point about how important, and dare I say, I did not even mention it today. Shame on me. How important, how critical this state Supreme Court election is. So what are you doing beyond voting in this upcoming primary, which is critical, February 21st, don't have to vote on Election Day. You can actually vote early. Just check, go out to myvote.gov, and you can find out information about where, I, well, I would just go to your uh, your municipality or city website to find out where you can vote early, how to request an absentee ballot, yada, yada. And uh, February 21st, April 4th, so critical that uh, we be... Not only voting ourselves, but also encouraging, imploring, provoking, whatever it takes to get people to get out to the polls. Because if we do not prevail, if a conservative is not elected to the state Supreme Court and Janet Protasewicz is elected, all will be lost. I don't like to end on a low note, and I know our first caller was kind of bringing me down with we're, we've lost the culture war. I, I I prefer to be an optimist. I think there are there are many of us that are still fighting and are fighting hard to preserve our values and our freedoms and our principles. And I think that that uh, inspires others to do so. And I encourage you, how, however you can get involved, I want you to do so. And one way you can do it is by talking to your circle of influence. And as we said at the Get Involved Wisconsin event a couple weeks ago, at least 10 people. And you have today is February 3rd. The election is in quickly, Meg. Do your math. 18 days. <laughs> uh, if you, you have 18 days to get 10 more people besides yourself. Actually... 18 people. 18 days, 18 people. One a day. That can't be that hard. Your circle of influence. Talk to whomever. I mean, you don't even have to know the person to strike up a conversation and say, hey, how'd you like that lockdown? How'd you like being, uh, how do you like your concealed carry? How do you like the 
all the reforms of the Republicans over the course of the last 10 years. I got a boogie. I'm babbling. <laughs> Have a great weekend. God bless. I'll talk with you again on Monday. Yeah,